Hi guys. So, um, today I wanted to finally do the full episode on uh, the tra- a trailer that I had uh, put out um, a couple of weeks ago where I wanted to talk about the difference between Creoles of Color and Black Francophones. And um, I think that's a tricky topic and as very... Um, you know, interested to see that it was mentioned in the Creoles of Color uh, by Country book that I've uh, referenced before. But this is something that I feel like uh, really, I guess, like resonates with my family a little bit. Um, so um, let me tell you a little bit about um, something that went down in my own family, right? Well, um, my... Okay, I'm not going to give any names because it's kind of recent. Um, but uh, so one of my recent ancestors uh, was uh, ostracized and actually, um, you know, temporarily disowned by her family for marrying, um, you know, someone that, you know, her family didn't approve of. And I was, you know, I, I just couldn't really understand, um, you know, well, initially I thought, okay, well, um, probably because that, um, we always said growing up that it was because he was black, um, you know, and I, uh, you know, once I started doing genealogy and family history and stuff like that, I realized that, okay, yeah, he was of a darker skin tone, but, you know, I'm seeing like all these French names in his uh, ancestry and it's pointing to what I would think is, you know, standard Creole, you know, um, and, you know, it's not like that the person he married was like, you know, like, like white way, you know, she was like a typical Creole person of mixed ancestry and everything. So I, I wasn't understanding. I was like, well, why? Um, cause typically if you aren't aware, um, this is how it works, um, for, uh, um, like Creoles. Um, and this is pretty standard in, in a lot of, uh, well, okay. It is standard in other Latin societies like Hispanic society. Um, what a few, um, you know, some people are a little bit more picky than others, but, um, really, uh, ethnicity is like, you know, a bit more prioritized than race. What that means is that in our families, like we have people that are really light. We have people that are really, you know, dark. Um, and my grandmother was recently just saying that like, you know, you know, people, we have people that are light, we have people that are dark, uh, but we all accept them, you know, you know, if they're, you know, Creole, I mean, that's just kind of like, um, you know, there's not, um, you know, so it's really about more so not, I guess, like, like your, your race or whatever, but, you know, um, your ethnicity uh and yes uh like other latin society there is a um a sort of preference um it's a little bit um dying out now i would say it's not as strong as it once was but there is a sort of um you know preference for like you know skin color and you know that is definitely a thing uh so i'm not gonna act like it's not um but I would say for many Creoles, um, the actual um, ethnicity is a big thing and largely more important, okay? 
Um, so I was, you know, very confused about this ancestor. I was like, well, why was he not accepted if he was coming from this, you know, Francophone background, this, um, you know, mixed race background, maybe not as mixed race as, you know, my female ancestor, but he was, you know, mixed race as well, just not as much. And then, um, you know, when I was reading, I came across the distinction of Creoles of color and black francophones. And that was really interesting to me because I was like, well, what is this? Because in my head, I'm like, all right, well, the Creoles of color, they were, they, you know, many, pretty much all of them were francophone. Um, but this is, you know, brings into an interesting discussion, um, you know, and we could also talk about the fact that, um, you know, Creoles are their own thing, okay? Their own ethnicity. Uh, one of my f I, my friends from Louisiana was just telling me that uh, some people in recent times have been trying to make uh, Louisiana Creole culture like a subgroup, a subset of African American culture, which it is not. Um, and, you know, he was quite mad about that. Yeah, he was, like, pretty pissed. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, but, you know, um, cause, yeah, he was, like, real, he was, like, big mad. Um, but I get it, you know, um, that's, that's true. So, uh, I, I think it, it is a tendency, uh, you know, because what we're seeing now is a lot of the people who are identifying as Creole, they are also identifying as black. So, in a lot of people who are not from, you know, this culture, they are interpreting it as, oh, well, Creole is just like, you know, a special type of black, just like, you know, um, you know, people like some people are like Latin and like Caribbean or whatever. Um, but it, it might not be the best thing, uh, you know, to really try to like, you know, because the thing is, what you want to understand is that um, black Americans were um, they uh, largely went through a different history than um than that of uh, Creole um, Americans, and I'll, while there were similarities, uh, a lot of people like to, and there was a great image that really depicted this saying that both um, Creoles of African descent and African Americans um, are descended from Africans, but it's not like, like, oh, the Creoles are a branch, they're like two separate branches from you know africans uh and i think that's you know that has that post had the right intention in that image but then we also have to consider the fact that um there are people who are creole who are not african at all um that's just a thing um it really depends on your definition we've talked about that we're not gonna get into that too much um because it's that could open a can of worms but uh, let me just kind of explain and go start going into our, you know, two different groups. You know, if we want to talk about, well, who are the Creoles of color traditionally? Who are uh, the black francophones of Louisiana traditionally, right? Um, and why I say traditionally is because there's been a lot of intermarriage and obviously, um, you know, uh, things have changed uh, in, you know, over the past few decades and even, you know, 
yeah over the past few decades so it's hard to just say like oh these are these people and these are these because you know there has been intermixing as i mentioned in my family uh particularly there's also been intermixing uh, with creoles into the african-american uh community um you know uh, and so that also i i would say reinforces the idea uh that creoles are a subset of african-americans because there has been that you know intermarriage of some sort right so um to get in let's first talk about who are the creoles of color so a lot of the people that i've talked about on this podcast um like when i talked about josephine my fourth grade grandmother creole of color i would say um when i uh talked about my uh she was my one of my fourth grade grandmothers when i talked about um my fifth grade grandmother who sued for her freedom Euphemie Lemel Creole of color okay um you know and the Creole of uh, colors of Bayou country book they uh talked about you know people like the Lamels the Donatos Ozen you know all of those individuals creole of color families so essentially the creoles of color um if you are a creole of color you can trace your lineage uh back to people who were free before 1865 and were in uh louisiana and they were likely francophone uh and they likely were of a certain uh social class okay um the creole of color community uh not everybody was uh you know this you know cookie cutter mixed race individual that we think of but you know i would say many of them were mixed race it's just some were more mixed race than others okay um so the creoles of color have been you know really um establishing their community uh they had been establishing their community very early on as early as the 1700s um eventually um you know i was just um teaching my students about my eighth grade grandmother josephine uh, lemel not to be confused with josephine um uh bro who i talked about um you know but Josephine Lemel, who was the mother of the, you know, very, um, you know, well-known Marie-Jeanne Lemel of, of St. Landry. And she was the great-grandmother of Euphemie Lemel, who I talked about in the YouTube video. So Josephine Lemel was born to a white, uh, a white father and an African woman who we... Uh, have evidence to suggest that she was born in what is now Senegal uh, in either the, probably the very early 1700s. She was actually one of the first Africans transported into, um, you know, the New Orleans region, which is um, shows you how far back we, you know, we were able to go, which is quite interesting. So, um, I mean, you know, like you could essentially just say that, you know, the Creoles of color, they're known for, you know, being like, you know, go-getters, like, you know, um, fancy, bougie, uh, money, you know, property, um, you know, they, they, they did a lot. And, and the thing is one thing, and I was just telling one of my students this super important to recognize that the French did, um, you know, set, uh, things in place, 
uh, for the Creoles of Color to kind of begin to establish, but they really did not uh, start to really uh, get large in numbers, okay, until Spanish and from Spanish occupation. So we know that um, Louisiana was under uh, Spanish rule for multiple decades, uh, even though they uh, largely didn't really immigrate and and Hispanicize uh, the um, you know the culture in Louisiana. They did have lasting effects, and I think if you are a descendant like me of, of Creoles of color, you better think that Spain got control of Louisiana. I was just reading, um, you know, the uh, there's an article actually written about um, urban slavery um, by um, Virginia uh, Gould, I believe it is. Um, I was just reading with my students, and and so that uh, talked about the practice of cortacion. I think it's called cortacion, which is uh, a, a Spanish process where that basically set precedents for enslaved people to buy save up and and buy and purchase their own freedom so what we saw during the spanish period which lasted into you know the early american period of louisiana is that a lot a lot of people uh, were able to purchase their freedom. The Spanish also made it uh, a thing for, it made it easier for owners to free uh, enslaved people. They didn't really have to give too much of a reasoning. Uh, whereas before they had to kind of like petition and get, you know, uh, permission from the government and everything like that. So the Spanish really were great in, you know, like basically really giving people, um, you know, the opportunity to have this, what we call in sociology, vertical social mobility, you know, and that's how a lot of my, you know, my family members, they were born enslaved and they ended up owning slaves by the end of their life, which is like, for some people, they're like, no way, that doesn't make any sense. But that's how it was. That's extreme vertical social mobility where you went from, you know, the, you know, the, what was the little drink song or whatever, like started from the bottom. Now we're here. Oh my God. You know, my ancestors were probably screaming that, you know, but well, maybe not because the song had not been yet invented, but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they were probably like, you know, shouting that because that is like the literal definition of starting from the bottom. And now you're here. Now you are la maîtresse. You are like, you know, chilling in the big house and commanding things. You own property. You have inheritance. You have legacy. You have all of this stuff. And that, I think, really reflects, you know, Latin culture. That really reflects, you know, the, the, the Latin identity of, of, you know, Louisiana, where, you know, we definitely would see this. Look at, you know, places like the Dominican Republic, Cuba, um, you know, even in Mexico, uh, where you had, uh, the Spanish had the, you know, a very different outlook on, you know, race and uh and and you know race politics and everything like that where they uh you know they basically believe that you know um kind of in that meritocracy where you know you can you can work your way up in society and that if you uh, a, a big thing also that the spanish kind of instilled in louisiana is that if you were part 
European that made a difference. That's something that I think was not as uh, big. And and I'm actually reading a book about uh, free people of color in in Anglo America, and they made that a a point to to mention actually that difference that this was not. Um, a thing so much in Anglo America, like in the 13 colonies and stuff like that, um, where, you know, they were like, uh, you know, the one drop rule was like big, 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 but in Latin society, you know, not really. Okay. Um, so it was kind of like, all right, well, you know, um, I, I don't know, like, you know, they were like, you know, kind of, all right, well, if, if you have a white dad, you're going to have the privilege from having that white privilege from having your white dad. Like what? Like, of, of course. And obviously you're not the same as someone who's 100% African. Um, and it kind of like, you know, that's why we have all of those like very Latin social descriptors in in, in Louisiana. You know, we would have like les mulâtres, uh, les, les caterons, uh, les octurons and stuff like that. Those were very... Um, you know, big things because they believe like, okay, well, the more uh, white you were, essentially, the the higher your status was in society and you would be treated as such. Okay. Um, but, you know, it obviously wasn't only about race. I think that definitely had something to do with it, but it was also about, um, you know, just money and stuff like that, like other socioeconomic factors. So, um, that was the Creole of color, uh, population. They, uh, you know, they did a lot of them come from humble beginnings. And one big thing about them is that they kept it in the family. That's why you see people, uh, like the Lamels, the Donatos, uh, the Simeon, the, the Ozen, en fait, uh, they kept it in the family. And still to this day in Louisiana, if you go in some places, especially like in the Southwest of Louisiana, you will still see those Creole people enter marrying like their life depends on it i don't know quite know why they still do it but they kind of still do especially if you know if you know you're listening and you're someone who is an older individual you probably definitely know this uh in your you know you you probably could find that uh, you have multiple of these surnames um and i always say like the, it's like the same surnames when i was looking at point coupé i was seeing the same surname saint-amand uh what was honoré um you know uh crud what are the other ones um i can't even remember off the top of my head but like there were uh ricard right um a lot a lot of the same surnames you know people just intermarrying and, and intermarrying and why did they do that well if you've ever heard about like you know how like the british monarchy and stuff like that well that's what people uh you know that's a traditional thing uh where you know you want to keep it in the community and so the the creoles of color you know really um you know they uh wanted to kind of keep this close-knit community so they uh they they married each other you know uh and eventually i'm gonna make a video about how my seventh uh and eighth great grandmothers they married two brothers yeah like marie-jean lemel and her mom jacqueline lemel that i just talked about they married two brothers one of them married uh, the you know my eighth great grandmother, uh, she was with uh, Santiago Lumel, uh, who is older, and then he had a younger brother by about ten years, 
uh, who is my seventh great grandfather, Francois, who is sometimes called Francisco Lumel. That that is you know that that's the things that they did to um, you know keep that sort of um, class uh, distinction, right? And so that's I, I really believe how in some places you have kind of the an interesting uh, you know. Uh, I guess DNA uh, admixture composition for uh, even a, a town where you might see that it's like damn like everybody in this town is like super mixed you know and that's kind of like what we have in uh, like current like Latin America like if you look at like the Dominican Republic or you know Puerto Rico or something like that um, you're, you're gonna see a lot of individuals who are some african some european some indigenous and you're like wow everybody there has like these the the same three of those racial um you know uh ethnicity compositions and but but that's kind of what happens when you have a population that um is you know like i guess you know inter intermarrying and and preserving certain things in certain communities and that's exactly what happened with some of these creoles of color where they were a certain amount european a certain amount african and it kind of just eventually like ended up after a certain amount of time where just like the majority of the community was you know mixed race and i think that's how uh the creoles of color uh, began uh, to be so much associated with free people of color um, one thing that I, you know, am very, you know, strict about and I, I talk about a lot is the fact that I think um, that we want to recognize that the Creoles of color did not recognize themselves as black for the most part. Obviously, I cannot speak to everyone. I, you know, you can't just say like, you know, this is because this is kind of like personal um, self-identification but I will tell you on average the Creoles of color did not self-identify as black and I could even tell you um, even um, you know my my grandmother um, always you know uh, says you know she recently just said um, well you know uh, the family was they weren't black or white they were they were just kind of you know a little bit of both and that's a perfect example to kind of describe the creoles of color for the most part um where they largely were a little bit of both so it wasn't you know i think some historians are trying to conflate them and and also kind of like you know uh, a lot of anglo uh um, americans who were looking in on creole culture they're so tempted because they've been so um, you know, instilled with the one drop rule that because they're dealing with people of African descent, they're so tempted to call them black, um, which is, I would say, a misnomer to a certain extent, because um, you have to think that the Creoles of color, you pick up any literature about them, they enjoy damn near uh, all of the uh, all the privileges of uh, their white counterparts. Okay, um, there were certain limitations that they had, so definitely they uh we're not um but definitely if you're interested uh read um oh my gosh i don't remember the author but read light bright and damn near white um by uh which is um a um a a piece that was written that was so um it was it was i would i wouldn't say it's amazing but i think it, it really kind of does capture how um, the Creoles of color did kind of like, um, you know, 
they were kind of like this, you know, third class. Um, and that's how Latin societies are typically structured, where you have the black, the mixed race, and the white. And and so you really have to kind of respect that uh, when talking about these people. Um, and that also will help you understand why the Creoles of color were some of the biggest slave owners in Louisiana. And, and I think it's weird because if you think about them as black people, you might say, why are black people enslaving black people? And that's, that's why you're having trouble understanding that. But you have to realize that these were not black people. These were people of a different social class um, that saw themselves identified differently. Okay. Um, and they, uh, you know, so they they did enslave, um, you know, pe- you know, black people because those were people that were on the a lower class, a lower tier than they were, um, and they did not really identify with them. Um, and I know a lot of um, black Americans are trying to. Um, it's a lot of interesting things that I've I may have talked about in other episodes where I've talked about how it's interesting because white Americans are trying to say like don't blame us for slavery because we because you know black people own slaves too and then black Americans are retorting well no uh, the only people of you know color who owned slaves were uh, were doing it uh, to free their families or something like that now that might be true in Anglo America okay. Um, and it did that happen in Louisiana? Yes. Um, but I will tell you that, um, in Louisiana, the Creoles of color, they definitely did, definitely did own slaves for the hell of it, you know, and a lot of them, it when they were in all family, I could tell you that. Look at how many, look, you know, um, we talked about Jacqueline Remel, who, uh, she was born a slave, uh, and, um, you know, died with owning slaves her daughter Marie-Jean Lemel she was born a slave and ended up being um, one of the biggest uh, landowning um, planters in her um, area okay I just posted recently about on another um, um, line in my family um, we have um, uh, Françoise uh, Katharina uh, Né McCarthy Pourré um she was my one of my six great grandmothers she was born in 1784 and when she was born in 1784 she was enslaved okay uh she and her mother received their freedom uh in 1798 by the time uh Françoise or sometimes called Francisca Caterina uh by the time she died in 1830, she uh, was a slave owner, okay? And I have a copy of a newspaper article that, you know, the family put out, like, trying to, you know, sell off her slaves after she died, okay? And so, um, that, that, that was a thing, okay? And so that's super, um, you know, essential to understand. And um, so now let's talk a little bit about the black francophones. Who were they and how are they distinct from the Creoles of color, right? So when, um, you know, people refer to um, black francophones, they are usually referring to people who... um, 
especially if they say you know if they're talking about it in in the sense like differing you know opposing it to creoles of color they're talking about individuals who were enslaved up until about the civil war but they are francophone and i think that's a large part or group of people that often gets ignored and we don't need to ignore them it's inappropriate for us to ignore them if you think about it because the interesting thing is that um you have to think about like when we think about french speaking people in louisiana a lot of people think about oh well you know there were the cajuns you know the white people and then there were these mixed people the creoles or whatever who were like the creoles of color you know who were free people of color who were free and da, da, da. but think about well who was being owned by these people who who were these slaves because the enslaved population um which just naturally with history they are often forgotten but you know we're going to talk about them now we you know super important and many people are descendants of these people um including myself to a certain extent okay uh where where they were enslaved by francophone speaking people um they were enslaved in the greater new orleans region they were enslaved in a very large number outside of the new orleans region uh like if you look at in the southwest and stuff like that and you know so these were individuals who were um you know french speaking um and creole speaking um as well and so they are people that definitely um are different because they were not free people of color free people of color was a designation that referred to people who were free essentially like um you know uh, before the uh civil war okay um so these black francophones were enslaved and then they were freed and so they were freed men right uh and you know what's interesting is that um we're gonna read a little bit of an excerpt from um you know uh, a book that will kind of talk a little bit about them and that's you know that's how i kind of like start about uh thinking about the topic of you know of mentioning them because like i said it's super important to not forget about them because a lot of their descendants a lot of people which is interesting because you know if you're listening you might uh, want to be careful and look into your own family to make sure you're not confusing things because a lot of the time uh, people are coming from you know these they're descendants of these black francophones and so in their family they know people who speak french and they're like okay well you know maybe my grandfather spoke french and so we're french and so that's something where you know i was talking about also recently how a lot of people are seeing that they're not getting you know french when they do their you know the little ancestry dna tests and stuff like that and they're so confused they're like this doesn't make any sense because you know my family's super french so I, you know all these people speak french and they always have and they you know we grew up like super french and everything like that and it's like yeah that's true but you have to realize that you could very well be a descendant of black francophones so the language is there but in terms of the racial makeup and the ancestry maybe not quite because if you think about it um, it's the same thing like if you were to go to like Haiti and stuff like that where a large amount of the population is overwhelmingly of African ancestry but 
the population is extremely well i don't want to say extremely francophone but extremely creolophone and and a decent amount are francophone as well right and so that's you know super important to consider that you um if you're not seeing all of this or any french ancestry that doesn't mean that you're not uh you know francophone or creole that just means that uh you probably are a descendant of maybe more so black francophones as opposed to creoles of color and that's something also you want to consider when you're doing your paper trail research in genealogy because if you're thinking oh well you know i'm french and so that means that you know creoles of color blah 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 so you know free people of color so i'm gonna look for free people of color but that's not always the case just because somebody has this you know you know fancy little french name and you're probably like oh you know <laughs> you know that doesn't mean necessarily that's the name that master gave him well you know maybe not but you know that's just because they are black francophone and so what me you're looking for some light-skinned girl uh mulatta girl who you know in the 1850 census but as your second great grandmother or something like that but girl she was no that's not her she was she was like she was a field hand she was on the plantation somewhere like she wasn't free what she's just a black francophone you know um and that's you know <laughs> that's you know the reality of the situation and it, you know to be honest a lot of the black francophones were actually owned by creoles of color and so um that you know allowed for culture to be passed on you know some of the black francophones were also owned by people who identify uh as a cajun you know i know a lot of the cajuns i know some of them are going to get mad because uh they like to say oh you know we were just in the we were poor we were in the country we were in the bayou we were um you know we didn't really own um slaves or anything like that and i'm like uh it's not giving because the thing is let me tell you let me tell you let me tell you let me tell you I, my, my fourth great grandfather, um, uh, Felix Bro, and the thing is, if you are from, if you're from Louisiana, you know the Bros, cause they're super, there's a lot of them. I can go through my DNA match list and, and, and if I click on like a certain thing and shared matches, all I see is I'm like, how many of y'all are there? But if you could, you know, like look at the lines, it's like it just traces way back to like, you know, to Acadians in Canada, you know, the whole family, they're Acadian and, you know, eventually they, um, uh, you know, mixed in with some, um, at least my line mixed with German Creoles and, you know, they were Cajun now and they were their own slaves. What? And I, like I say, like that, like, don't like, I feel like the, the, if you hide the fact that your family owned slaves, that makes you look guilty. That makes you look guilty. But if you're like, oh, well, you know, damn, like they did something that's kind of crazy, but you know, whatever. And, but acknowledge it, that could maybe help your research and help other people's research too, you know? Um, boom, 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 boom. So, um, I'm going to read some of this, uh, excerpt and I'm going to try to, so essentially it's from the Creoles of, uh, color and Bayou country, uh, that is written by a lot of people, um, whose names I don't have remembered, but if you need the source, uh, contact me. Um, and if you don't know how to contact me, 
um, go on the YouTube and my email is there. Okay. You can comment on this, uh, you know, the podcast below, but I, I can't respond to you. I don't know why it's stupid. It doesn't look, or at least I'm, maybe I'm too stupid to figure out how to respond. It could be that too. But anyways, easier if you send me an email to the email that's on the YouTube in the description, you know, Creole explain, go on YouTube, you'll find it. Okay. Um, so do, 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 where are we going to start? So this situation was exacerbated still further by the intermarriage of several poor Creole of color women to dark skinned French speaking black Creoles in St. Landry and St. Martin Parishes in the early decades of the 20th century. An effort to prevent their own children from also marrying beneath their social station, elders of several Creole of color settlements imposed increasingly stringent, sometimes draconian measures to reduce contact with outsiders. The Creoles' attempts to distance themselves from the former freedmen and their descendants took many forms. One contemporary observer reported that in the wake of the Civil War, Prosperous Creoles of color sent their children to the 15 or 16 exclusive Creole of color schools in New Orleans, uh, avoiding the region's new public schools, which had become ex- exclusive domains of former slave children. Normal tensions between Creole of color landlords and their black sharecropper employees also helped both to maintain class distinctions and to discourage fraternization between the two groups. Other attempts to diminish contact with freedmen were far less subtle, involving overt Creole attempts to exclude blacks from social gathering. The oral traditions of both the Creole of color and black communities contain repeated references to the so-called paper bag tests applied by bouncers to individuals wishing to enter Creole of color dances or socials. Um, and <laughs> they're talking about that, you know, it's either the paper bag test or the comb test and how that kind of worked. Apparently, I didn't think this was a real thing. So when I was reading this in like a book, I was like, oh, my God, it's actually real. That's crazy. Um, but essentially, it was like the paper bag test was like, oh, if you were lighter than the paper bag, you're good. Um, if you were darker. Nah, you, you kind of had to like they were like, I'm gonna have you step out and go home for me, bro. Um. But then, if you were darker, maybe you could do the comb test, right? Because um, that's the thing with <laughs> we. Um, and this is this is interesting because I definitely have heard this in my family. It's so bad, but like we say, like okay, like either you're light or you have like you know, like you know, straighter hair, or sometimes in some cases both. Um, but that's how that worked. They were like, mm, well, if you're too dark for the paper bag test, let's do the comb test. And if a comb could go through your hair, um, then you were, you know, deemed a Creole of color and good to go. You know, because they couldn't really obviously tell. That's how they were able to distinguish people. Because like I said, everybody was Francophone. Um, everybody was of mixed race. But it was really just a matter of how mixed race you were. Right? Um... You know, and I think that is, um, okay, so let's read this also. This common cultural link, okay, maybe not there, because you're like, what? 
The strain of French spoken by rural Creoles of color is Cajun French, whereas New Orleans Creoles of color, like their white Creole counterparts, speak Standard French. That was uh, reported by Dominguez in 1979. Maybe that needs to be updated a little bit. Um, but I, I will say, you know, I do have a background in linguistics, so I have been paying attention to a lot of things. Um, and it is true. Uh, you can look up, you know, um, Dr. Thomas Kalinger um, actually wrote about, uh, you know, how a lot of people who are identifying as Creoles because of the fact that there has been, you know, substantial contact with uh, individuals who identify as Cajun over the years. A lot of them are actually, they're not maybe Creolophones, but they are, but they are speakers of Cajun French. Now, here's the thing. Um, there are only certain regions where you can find, um, you know, Creole speakers nowadays. And so if your family's not from that region, they're probably not Creole speakers, even if you yourself identify as Creole. And here's the thing, in Louisiana, um, because of the fact that there has been, you know, long-standing contact and other things, other things, um, the lines get blurry. What that means is that a lot of people honestly do not know what they're speaking. They don't know if they're speaking French, they don't know if they're speaking Creole, and half of the time that can't be answered because it's a little bit of both regardless. Um, and so because of that, you know, it, it gets to be um, a little tricky where you have to have a very trained ear. You have to be uh, very, uh, you know, versed in both Creole and French to determine if something is uh, either what something someone is speaking is either Creole or, or French and so that's tough that is really tough and that's why there is that sort of confusion um, but in New Orleans um, you know there really wasn't that sort of um, because you know in New Orleans there weren't Cajuns like that so it's like you know the Creoles and honestly a lot of people from the Southwest are gonna like this because I feel personally that if you want to look at you know Creole culture that has not uh, had um, that is like in its purest form you gotta go you can't really go um, and look at um, some of these places because there's been too much Cajun interference okay like I just was talking to one of my friends from um, you know um, you know the Southwest and he's like telling me that he doesn't put tomatoes in his gumbo I was like what 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 like tomatoes are like for me that's like the center i love me some tomatoes are you like are you kidding like what no tomatoes what you name the tomatoes what wow that's crazy um but that's you see that's that's it that's like some you know um that's really what typically is associated with Cajuns, and you see where I'm talking about that influence now, where a lot of the Creoles in the Southwest and everything, because the Southwest is really, you know, that's Cajun, that's Acadiana, you know, that's Cajun, um, that's Cajun territory. So people are, you know, there. But I would say New Orleans, and also some people have pointed to Point Coupee as places um, where there were little uh few uh cajun settlements and that's why you're gonna see a difference right in the culture the language all that type of stuff right 
Um, like I know a lot of like in New Orleans, you know, nobody don't be speaking up Creole nowadays. <laughs> you know, just being honest, right? But there are people who still speak Creole in Point Coupe, and you know that definitely um, that has been you know observed. And I've actually read some linguistic literature uh, regarding the structure and everything of of you know of uh, the creole spoken in pankupi um a lot of people say that they sound different some people i've heard people say you know varying things some people say that they sound french some people say that they sound uh caribbean uh, and you might ask yourself why do they sound different some people have postulated that the reason why people in Pankupi uh, speak a different um, variety of Creole compared to people in other places like maybe St. Landry, St. Martin you know stuff like that uh, and it, because of the fact that they did not have that that large amount of you know Cajun migration and so it's kind of like um, you know uh, some people have you know said that you know point coupe is like the the ideal or you know pure creole louisiana creole right um it's like louisiana creole and it's purest forms that has not been let's just say for lack of a better term watered down by french which is an interesting very interesting um you know conclusion right uh let's see if i want to read more of this uh, people of Afro and French descent, whether they call themselves Creoles, Creole of color, or Black Creoles, share to a large degree the language, religion, foodways, material, culture, music, dance, and festivals of Cajuns. However, many of these elements of Cajun culture have been profoundly influenced by Black Creoles. While there is a good deal of cultural overlap between Cajun and, and Cajuns and Black Creoles, there is also clear sep social separation to many uh, domains. This separation is perhaps most evident in the development of what happened, and the development of Cajun, often uh, based on skin color as much as economic status. Um, yeah, in describing class consciousness in antebellum Louisiana free black society, historian. Annie uh, Stahl, who borrowed heavily from Wiley's 19th century observations, noted that free people of color believed that the inferiority of condition necessarily attached itself a lasting dishonor as the whites believed that color was a badge of an inferior race. The standard of respectability among free people of color contained many uh, gradations of color. Yeah. Okay. Um... Yeah, that, I mean, you know, essentially they're talking about how, you know, color is like, you know, a big thing um, for, you know, to a certain extent. Um, that's why I said, like, I, I'd say that a lot of people would say, you know, whatever. Um, I, okay, so I, I said that, you know, regardless of color, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, we're all Creole, whatever, whatever. However, what I will say and I to kind of like add to that is like I think features are also important you know what I've realized is that um, a lot of people really do look at features and that's something that I think a lot of people who are not Creole don't really pay attention to like for example um, you know um, I, I and well I think it's um, maybe noted in the black community right like for example um, 
I think a lot of white people would like look at me and just say like, oh yeah, that's a black man or whatever. But you know, growing up, I often got like asked like, you know, like what are you mixed with? Like, oh, like um, how'd you get your hair like that? Like, what do you do to your hair? You know, and stuff like that. Um, and that was something where like I didn't really know kind of like what's the respond to that. Um, I mean, eventually when I got older, I, I you know I was like, well, you know, I'm Creole, and they were like, oh yeah, okay, but you know, I that's like. I feel like that's not the best thing because it's like not all Creole people are going to have like, you know, you know, curly hair, wavy hair or straight hair or what, you know what I mean? Like, um, and not all, like I said, not all Creole people have like Creole people have that mixed ancestry. Okay. Um, so it's kind of inappropriate, but it is heavily associated. And I think, um, you know, yes, color is. Uh, an important thing in the community um, still to a little bit for some people especially the older generation um, but uh, it's also color not just color but color plus features okay so if maybe you know you're darker but if you have really straight hair that's gonna be like oh yeah you're, you're definitely Creole like you know you're gonna like you know just kind of like we were saying with the paper bag and comb test type of thing that's kind of a thing um, so I know this has been going on for quite some time. I really don't think I've ever made an episode this long, but I think it will introduce, I know I have a, a large amount of audience from, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the Louisiana area. And there are also, you know, a lot of people who are, you know, definitely interested in kind of like, you know, the complex dynamics of Louisiana. And I, I'm not going to lie, even I've been researching this stuff for years. And well, not that, you know, I don't have like decades like other people, but definitely multiple years. And it's still kind of, you know, a lot to learn. Um, and I'm still like learning, like, you know, it's like every new thing I, I, I read, it's like I learn a little tidbit of something new. It's very interesting. Um, but that's that's just great and that just represents the complex you know diverse culture that uh, is the culture of Louisiana Creoles I think it's really amazing um, and you know so I think you know going forward uh, you know what you want to take away from this is that uh, the Creoles of color and black francophones are um, definitely two um, separate uh, ethnicities and that are well subgroups I would say they are two um, maybe subgroups of a larger ethnicity um, some people would ref prefer to kind of like keep them separate some people would prefer to not keep them separate that's personal choice okay um, so it really will vary based on kind of like what you're you know who you encounter and to whom you're speaking okay um, but I think that's, you know, the big takeaway. Um, remember Creoles of Color, they were of a higher status. Um, they were really, you know, big landowners and stuff like that. Um, and they were um, people who were free um, prior to the Civil War, whereas Black Francophones were freedmen. They were free after the Civil War. As we read in the um, book that I, um, you know, the excerpts I read from the book, um, you could see that the Creoles of Color definitely... Um, you know, because of that, you know, just history and tradition after, after the civil war, it was kind of odd for them because, you know, prior to the civil war, they distinguished themselves by saying, well, you know, we're free. We're, we are of color, but we're free. So that's how we're different from the black francophones. But then after the civil war, it was like, well, now we're all free. So how do we set ourselves apart? And that's how, um, you know, they, they had to do a little bit more to, um, you know, keep it in the family and, and I think that's definitely why that female ancestor of mine got all that crap because she married that black francophone because that was considered out of the quote quote family, um, even though 
you know, they were both of mixed ancestry and they were both, um, you know, um, I would come in from like Francophone um, Catholic families and stuff like that. Um, so I, you know, it's, it's very interesting to kind of understand um, kind of like the in-group versus out-group um, sociology kind of dynamics um, that were, you know, present in society. But yeah, definitely thank you guys for listening um, and stay tuned for more. Thank you.